Hello and welcome to Connected Investor, the podcast from the Brunner Investment Trust. I'm Joe Lynham. I'm a presenter on the BBC World Service. And before that, I was a business and economics correspondent on all the BBC outlets. I'm joined by Lucy MacDonald. Why are we here? Simple. To provide insightful, relevant and hopefully entertaining analysis on the big issues that affect the trust investors, and of course, the wider world. Connected Investor is hopefully going to be an indispensable inside track on what's driving the Brunner Investment Trust and, of course, the wider markets. Thank you very much, Joe. Good day to you. Where are you? I'm in the Isle of Wight, where I've been uh, for the last month, uh, since before, just before lockdown. And um, very, very quiet. It's a very... Um, you know, actually quite connected place and um, also a very productive place. And so so not much distraction. I see what you did there. Yes, you got the connected in. Why have you chosen <laughs> the phrase connected investor for the title of this podcast? Well, there's, there's two two reasons. Um, we feel that it's not enough to have you know smart investors uh, around the world. As a global investor, you need them to be connected. Uh, you need them to be sharing the insights that they can see at their local level and at particular a time like this to be able to 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 see what's happening in one part of the world and make sure that that everybody is is really understands um what's happening and and has uh, the opportunity to to discuss it um yeah, so at the moment being able to see what's happening with you know china uh, early into the the virus you know and and now recovering out of it you know we've got in, in Hong Kong and, and China, who've been able to to give us very good insight there, and then then secondly, really, it's it's that that investors know it's no longer enough to just be a human. You know, you need to be digitally enhanced to be able to 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 invest, and so you need all these these tools which can can allow you to to find um, and analyze, interpret um, the large amounts of data um, that are now available which wouldn't have been there, um, you know, when I started my career. Um, so, so, and that's developing machine learning tools, um, natural language processing, and connecting it all up through um, a system where we use Salesforce Chatter, which is a way of connecting up all, all the investors and, and all the data. So you really do need to be connected these days. You do. And let's just go straight to the much bigger picture. I have seen a few recessions and I was pretty busy during the Eurozone crisis and the financial crisis, but I've never seen anything like this. Put into context for us, please, Lucy, what has happened on the global equity markets over the last month? Well, the, the, the major um, crashes that we've had in, in the market I mean, over my career, uh, which is, is 30 years or so, uh, the the first was was uh, two thousand, uh, which was a, a pretty standard equity bubble, you know, with one area of the market being being driven up to to very high valuations and then and then crashing. Dot com, the dot com, um, and the the second was was the credit bubble, you know, over two thousand eight nine, um, and and that was a you know very much in 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 the debt markets, you know, coming from the housing market and then. Then you know exploding, 
what we've got now is 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 quite different um, because you know in we're still actually in the aftermath of that that you know the last crash and we've still got the the financial fragility in the system um, which was related to that, but this has been a, a just a complete economic shutdown you know driven by by authorities and so we now have have uh, some corporates who have no income. Um, and they've still got, in some cases, debt because the U.S. You know, corporate debt has been built up quite a lot um, in the last few years. And uh, so you are seeing now on the, that that's still you know relative financial fragility. You are seeing this this lack of 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 turnover and income. So it's it's a very different um, situation to what we've seen before. And uh, how we will get out of it, obviously, we'll talk about in a minute. But that will probably be quite different too. The crisis itself though is totally unique because it's a supply and a demand shock that's right the governments around the world have ordered human beings to stay at home and not do their economic duty as it were and companies have been affected by that and at the same time they cannot order things so the supply side has fallen away uh, this is going to take even longer to correct because both sides of the balance sheet are affected. That's absolutely right. And so it is sort of unprecedented in, in that. Um, and what we are seeing as a result of it is is the acceleration of, of one of the main trends that, you know, mega trends we've been seeing um, over the last 20 years, and that's this, this shift to digitalization. And so although Yes, there is a, a a gap in London. People can't buy things. Well, they can if they're buying things online. So you're seeing e-commerce, you know, growing. Um, it's been growing as a percentage anyway, um, but it's it's likely to continue uh, even after uh, we get out of lockdown. Uh, then you've seen healthcare, you know, going more online with more sort of doctors' appointments online. You've seen a lot of of you know of uh, other industries going shifting completely um, to a virtual space and education. Um, and you are saying that you've been you know, educating your, your children online, you know, and that's what people are going to be doing. So, so. But I, as I have to, I have to admit. A, a trend I, I, we've I, been seeing already is going to be accelerated by this. It is, but educating your children at home is not something I'd like to take on on a longer term <laughs> basis, to be perfectly honest with you. No. I have a, such incredible newfound respect for the work that teachers do. I really think they should get knighthoods, every single one of them. Um, yeah. We've seen this shock, but now we're talking about how we come out of this, because we have deliberately put an economy into hibernation as well as quasi-nationalizing the economy. So how do companies, big companies, position themselves because it's out of their hands when the lockdown is lifted? Well, what they've, they've been doing is, is shoring up the balance sheets. Um, and as I mentioned, uh, corporate debt you know, overall has been rising over the last you know, few years, particularly in the US. Um, and, and that's been... Uh, possible because of the low level of interest rates. And so despite the fact that you know, leverage has risen, the uh, ability to pay uh, the interest has been been there. Um, what we're seeing now, though, is, is companies uh, who have, are lacking their revenue and their income to be able to, to pay the interest um, are now looking to make sure they're shoring up the balance sheets. So we've been seeing... Um, a lot of activity there 
you know, some has been you know, refinancing through through the debt markets. Some have been uh, using equity markets. Some have been pulling back on uh, their uses of of capital uh, of buybacks and and most importantly for for uh, many investors on their dividends. And so so this has been a big trend over the last the last couple of months, which we think has probably got a little bit more to go. A lot of companies survived the financial crisis, Lucy, because interest rates were at rock bottom and stayed rock bottom. I just wonder whether those zombie companies might now be found out in the rapid digitalization of the economy. Well, the digitalization trend, I think, will will continue. And uh, as I said, that will continue to make it more difficult for, for those companies which have not got that ability. And when you look at how it has you've seen a differential um, performance out of those companies say for Estee Lauder for instance which we own which has a, a well-developed e-commerce business how they've survived relative to some other consumer companies which are purely um, bricks and mortar you know they it's it's you know night and day and so it's going to accelerate the pressure on all companies to shift in in that direction um, as far as as you know, an, allowing zombie companies you know to to live well, interest rates are not going to go up in a hurry. I mean, we've already expected interest rates to be sort of behind any inflationary curve, but you know what's happened now is is going to push that out even further, which means that zombie companies could carry on a bit longer. Um, but there's also going to be more government support. For some of these industries that we've seen, and that I think is is going to be uh, a, an interesting one to watch. We've seen that, you know, potentially in the airline industry, um, and we'll be watching carefully to see where else it it uh, appears. So it it may be that we don't get necessarily that um, the the amount of bankruptcies you would have seen otherwise. This is it, though, isn't it? The the, the quasi nationalisation of the economy uh, takes a lot of the decisions out of the hands of giant companies, companies that you may or may not be invested in. And you can only, can you second guess what governments might do um, to, to, to wean companies off their current environment or their current trajectory to change how they're going to behave? Because governments will be deciding um, when the lockdown ends, governments will be deciding when the financial support will end. And it's kind of out of the hands of these companies. So no, that's that's absolutely true. Uh, but it certainly affects some industries more than others, and in the industries where we we tend to have a little bit more um, exposure, um, are less impacted um, by you know what's going on at the moment, and also by you know what government actions are likely to be. So, for instance, you know healthcare, you know where we've got a big big exposure. You know some of these companies are are actually you know having a, a quite a, a decent crisis um unsurprisingly um and having a good war so, so having a good war um then uh, the technology companies you know some of them are also for the reasons that we've said about digitalization and you know shifting online some of them are also seeing some benefits from 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 this situation um industrials mixed depending um and consumer mixed i mean the gaming companies are, are, have been doing relatively well um and the um, some areas of of uh, of consumer where it's online um, have been 
you know, television has been you know, pretty strong because everybody's been watching more of it. And although that's not coming through in, in advertising, it certainly has come through in sub- subscriptions. So, so there are areas which which are are uh, less affected um, as uh, as we go through this. So, I think we need to differentiate between between the industries and between the companies themselves. Well, let's have a look at the impact on the Brunner Investment Trust uh, as a whole. How have you guys done over the last few weeks? Well, we have. Um... We outperform our benchmark, um, and that's been because we've had a good exposure to the to the healthcare sector, uh, which we've had in place for some time, actually. On the other hand, we haven't much exposure to the oil sector, which has obviously been a laggard, um, not necessarily to do with COVID, although not helped by COVID. Um, so that's been been helpful in this this environment. Um, on the the slightly weaker side, some of our UK companies have um, have been a, a, a bit a bit you know uh, underperformed a bit, um, but they're all solid balance sheets. Um, one of the things we do focus on when we're investing is is quality, and uh, that means the quality of the returns within the business, the quality of the balance sheet, and the quality of of you know management. And so you know when we look through the portfolio, and we certainly have been looking through you know with the with even more care than usual to to see how they're behaving in this environment, um, then then it's it's you know they're a good a good bunch of companies we've got. What's your policy towards dividends, Lucy? We know a lot of very big companies uh, have said that they're not going to pay out any dividends. Not everyone, uh, and governments have been leaning on them not to pay dividends. What's been the Brunner attitude towards dividends? Well, um, from a fund management point of view, no, we've. Obviously, the dividend of the investment trust of Brunner is uh, one of the you know key features people look uh, look for um, when they're investing. Um, Forty eight years of of dividend growth, and um, we have very strong reserves within the trust uh, of uh, one point three years, which uh, give us a lot of confidence in in keeping that net dividend growing. Um, within the portfolio itself, what we've been doing is is going through um, and sorting through, you know, our our uh, portfolio to ensure that um, the expectations that we've got on dividends coming out of the portfolio uh, are realistic. And there have been some cuts of uh, the stocks within the portfolio. Some have have uh, removed dividends or cut dividends. But overall, um, we've got a good spread, um, both geography and, um, and by industry. And as I mentioned, some of the industries are, are, are getting through this relatively well and are continuing to, to pay out. So it's um, an ongoing analysis that we're doing. But we're, overall, for the trust, we are, are pretty confident in the, the, um, in the dividends. Now, I'm going to ask you to whip out your crystal ball, and I know that's going to be super easy in the middle of a massive crisis. Um, the outlook for markets, Lucy, what do you think they will be and how well positioned is Brunner during the middle of all this? Well, the expectations that, uh, in the short term um, for, for markets um, are not that positive in that, you know, we've just had quite a nice rebound. So that's the very short term you know, picture. And and markets are now uh, looking a bit narrow in the leadership, um, and some companies and some some stocks are looking looking closer to short term overbought. So that's the very very short term. Um, 
what you know in the medium term uh we've got to see some growth coming back because uh although there's a lot of liquidity being provided by the federal reserve um and the other central banks you know that's just enough to keep you know markets uh, levels where they are but we're not going to get much forward motion until we can actually get some growth coming back so that that you know focuses on uh, the the speed of that recovery um and uh, my experience with with slowdowns is that it generally does take a bit longer to get everything going than people think at the beginning of it um so we've you know started off by people saying that it would be you know bouncing back in a couple of months uh, people are now saying well it'll probably be back in the you know coming back in the second half uh, I think probably if we assume that next year is going to be the first time we see really much uh, coming back uh, as far as growth is concerned, that's 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 probably right. Um, so so not really betting too much on an early recovery. And then and then we've been doing a lot of work on uh, with using our grassroots, which is our non-financial sort of survey research to see what's likely to come back when. And so we've been looking at China for a start because you know, that was first in will be first out. There we're seeing um, spending um, on healthcare is still strong. I think that will continue. Um, so various forms of healthcare, um, where we've people are saying that they are going to be spending and beginning to spend as they come out of the lockdown is on dining out. You know, they're rushing out. Um, they're so bored of cooking that they're rushing out to um to restaurants. So a bit of that. Um, sports as well. People have missed their sports. So as those begin to come back on, we think there will be sort of leisure. Um, uh, they'll spending around that. And it seems cosmetics as well, that uh, a lot of people have not been bothering at all um, to to put any any makeup on. And so now they're they're coming out and they're wanting to, to spend on that. Well, you'd be glad to know that I'm, I'm sitting here in my my white tail, sorry, white tie during this. I'm sure you are as well in, in your ball gown. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but what seems to that people will take a little bit more long to do is uh, travel. Um, so although people will, will book, you know, begin to book, um, it seems there's still a certain amount of caution um, about, you know, the safety, health uh, safety um, around travel, both of you know being on planes and and various destinations, so uh, that's that's the early research that we're getting through from from China, and then we'll continue to do that. And then as various um, various areas come out of their lockdown, uh, we will be doing doing the same. I mean, one thing that we are we definitely think will take longer is business travel, and that's coming back to this whole digitalization theme because you know once people have done more remote working. Um, and seen quite how effective and productive it can be, uh, then we do think that that will be a lasting impact on on the world of work. Um, and then that's also will link into the other you know mega theme we haven't really spoken about, uh, which is the energy transition. And and um, that I think is is the jury will be out for some time about how the speed of um, the move to um, you. Know, to really aid the climate uh, is going to be affected by this experience, um, and at the same time, what's happening with it with the oil price? So that is probably for another podcast for us to be talking about. I think a lot of your investors, Lucy, will have lost money maybe on other funds, etc. Over the last few weeks, 
What's your advice to them when they look at pretty scary gyrations on the markets? Well, generally, I think for long-term investors, um, you know, you shouldn't be bothering too much about the short-term gyrations in markets. Um, we have obviously been through a big spike in volatility early in this year. That's now starting to come down again. Um, and we are getting a more normalised investing environment. Uh, so I think it's it's generally not a brilliant idea to be spending too much time, you know, staring at things and going up and down. Um, it's really worth, you know, if you've got the time yourself as a retail investor, you know, look at in as much depth as you can into into whatever it is that you're buying, whether it's a company or whether it's a fund. You know, do your research, do your diligence, and and then you know take a long term view. Now that having said, you do need to watch and see if things have fundamentally changed because they can, and because you know what we've said with digitalization that is changing some of the industries. Um, it's structural change, and it's not going to go back to revert to to where it's been before. So I think you do need to be you know aware and following um, to need to really focus on the fundamentals of of whether something has changed or not. And um, as professional investors, that's what we're doing all the time. And if you're, you know, a retail investor and, and you you haven't got the, you know, you need time or energy to do that, then then you know, do hand it over to somebody who who is, is going to be spending their days doing it. But um, I do I do think there is still far too much short termism, um, really, in all markets, um, and and it comes out you know, very very clearly in times like this, and and it leads people to to make the wrong decisions about about their money long term. Lucy, thank you very much. I was going to ask you to sum up uh, and close, but you've effectively done that over the last uh, 60 seconds uh, and of this very first Connected Investor podcast. As usual, the usual health warnings, shares go down as well as up, i.e. you need to know what you're doing and we are aware that things are very volatile at the moment. This is not a specific guidance for investors in Brunner but just a kind of a wider discussion about what we're up to. You can, of course, contact us. Uh, go to the website, brunner.co.uk, B-R-U-N-N-E-R.co.uk. And hopefully we'll hear you all at the next Connected Investor podcast. From me, Joe Lynham, and from Lucy, thank you. Thank you.